Hello wonderful people, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Questions for God. This is the show where we respond to the difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. If you have questions about this or any other subject, you can text them to our desk on 0438 066635. This week we're asking, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? Today we ask, is Christianity possible without a biblical worldview? Now that is a big subject. Our specialist in the hot seat today is Pastor Joseph Matichik. Joseph is the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome to you, Joseph. It's great to be here, Gary. Oh, it's wonderful to have you back again. You were here last week, and the viewers really appreciated the things that you uh, that you shared. It's really good to have you chatting uh, with us about a really challenging aspect of this week's subject. Uh, the Bible, uh, Joseph, has been has been part of uh, part of your um, uh, life and ministry now for, for many years. Um, you've studied theology. What's your favourite book of the Bible? For me, my favourite book of the Bible is actually the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Okay, okay, that's a that's a fairly heavy book. Well, it is, and and um, that's possibly part of the reason I enjoy it. Uh, the certainly the the first half of the book has has the stories, yes, which, yes, which yes, in yes, a yes, sense, yeah, yeah. at an initial level, aren't heavy. Yep. But uh, they they uh, actually do have a deeper meanings, and so you can look approach the book on a, on a couple of levels. And um, yeah, for me, that I, I love love the book of Daniel, and um, and still do. Yeah, no, yesterday we actually had um, uh, Eric uh, in the studio with us and I asked him the same question and he said, oh, I love the parables of Jesus, you know. Okay. It's, it's amazing how people uh, find uh, different aspects of the scriptures uh, personally appealing to them. I know that myself, I, I actually love Daniel and, of course, Revelation as well, those two, two books. I really appreciate the way that it brings so many issues in the Christian world together. I, I love those books. I really appreciate your uh, your response there. Joseph, tell us, do you have a do you have a system of Bible reading that you particularly enjoy? I mean, how do you find value in reading the Bible? I've found something that's worked for me, Gary, and I've been following this now for the last number of years. Uh, early on, as a much younger person, I, I tried a couple of different things. I would just try to read through as it is. I didn't find that as productive because I was more uh, f- concentrating on just getting through the, yeah, the text, yeah, if you yeah, know what yeah. I mean, or trying to just uh, plow through uh Chapters at a time. Um, you know, there's a concept there where you can read the Bible in a year, and, yes, and yes. I attempted that, and it just did, did, didn't work for me. Um, and uh, but what I found most helpful for me is uh, a method where I um, I will read one portion of scripture. Uh, Essentially, one story at a time, and 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 I'll do it first thing in the morning um, while it's still quiet before I do anything else in the day. Mm-hmm. It's the very mm-hmm. first thing, and I find if I don't do it, then it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I do is um, 
Now, whilst I said that Book of Daniel is my favourite book, it's, yep. that's not where I started, right. and it's not, and it's not, and that's certainly not the only thing that I read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, um, what I uh, did is I started with the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I began this a number of years ago, I, I started with the Gospels, and I would read just one story at a time. And then what I would do, Gary, is I would, um, I would essentially. Uh, put myself in the shoes of what I was reading, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 look at what is it saying to me. Mm-hmm. Then I'd have an exercise pad, okay, and I'd then begin to write down the insights mm-hmm. that I was getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would then even end up writing out uh, or just, just uh, some brief notations of, of, of a bit of a prayer because. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person that likes to see things written down. I'm the yeah. like I'm yeah. the person who who really benefits from from making notes, making lists, um, underlining things, and mm-hmm. and and so most beneficial for me was combining my reading with 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 writing down. Now this 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 method is called uh, journaling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been referred to as, as journaling. And uh, and I have now been doing it for a number of years, and and uh, I have I've gone through uh, the whole New Testament. I, I've gone through the Old Testament, and I'm actually working my way through it all again. Mm-hmm. And um, and the beauty of it is is that uh, every time I come to a, a passage of scripture, there is something that that is speaking to me personally, mm-hmm. and uh, and mm-hmm. I'm yeah I'm being richly blessed as a result of that. That's fantastic, Joseph. That uh, that method. I know that I do. I, I've done a number of times. I'm not doing it right now, but uh, a number of times I've done something fairly similar, uh, where I've actually rewritten books of the Bible. So I might start with the Gospels and go through, and I'll have a a, a pad uh, where I'll make notes down one side, but then I'll just simply rewrite the text okay. uh, on the uh, on the other side. And you know, one of the things. I find about that, Joseph, is it just really slows you down enough so that you can start to realise what the text, what the passage, what the scriptures are actually saying That's right. to you, and then you can make notes on the other side of the other side of the page. Exactly, because what I started initially was to, you know, I started honestly with Genesis chapter one and and endeavoured to just plough through, and it, it, it just didn't work for me, Gary. Mm. It was mm. just too much, and and so. Uh, to begin with, and I'd recommend this in case people are out there uh, looking for a, an approach, um, start with the gospel. Start mm. with m- maybe mm. some like Mark. Mark's the shortest gospel. Um, and uh, just read one story at a time yeah. uh, in, in one sitting and uh, and and then uh, begin to write down write down insights that, that that you gain from that. And as you work your way through, you'll then get, w- want to go through further into in, into the other books, into the epistles, mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah, make your way across to the Old Testament. There's some powerful yeah. powerful stuff yeah. there, and yeah. and yeah, you'll you'll be richly blessed. One of the challenges with starting, of course, with with Genesis is that very quickly you get to books like Leviticus, yeah. you know, and and that can be a challenge even for Absolutely. experienced uh, readers. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, and so. Uh, Occasionally, that way you need to probably maybe um, uh, balance that or couple it with with um, you know still going to maybe to some other books like yeah, some from yeah, the New Testament. Yeah, so yeah. at the same time, you're you're complementing it. Mm. Principle that I've learned is that you know um, 
Jesus said, you search the scriptures because it, in, uh, these testify of me. Of me yeah. So the ultimate purpose is not just to get a head full of knowledge, of facts, of history or whatever else, but that we get to know Jesus better. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the, the gospels are essentially uh, the most uh, the, the clearest descriptions of Jesus of his life, his ministry, his death, mm. and his resurrection. Mm. And so that, that that's that's really the place to concentrate, or certainly the place to start, yeah. and really really immerse yourself in that, and then then branch out. That's powerful. That's really powerful, Joseph. Let's come to some music. I love this particular song. It's our theme song for this particular week. It's a song by uh, uh, by Michael W. Smith. Ancient words. He's singing about the words of the scriptures. Please enjoy.
Welcome again to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary and Pastor Joseph Matichik. This is the program where we look at difficult questions for God concerning faith and contemporary religion in the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. If you've got any questions concerning the subject we're talking about today, please text them through to me on 0438 Today I've got with me Pastor Joseph Matichik. He's the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And today we're asking, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? And today... We start by asking, is Christianity possible without a biblical worldview? It was just uh, last month that I noticed some uh, research that was uh, completed by the American uh, Univers- Arizona Christian University and American researcher uh, Dr. George Barner. The the university's uh, survey research was entitled The American Worldview Inventory 2020. The inventory had one objective. It was how to ask how many Christian people have a biblical worldview. Or to put it another way, how many self-identified Christians consistently attempt to respond to life situations based on biblical teachings. What What a question to ask to self-identified Christians. What was the response? Well, significantly, from conservative Protestant denominations, 21% were assessed to have a biblical worldview. From Pentecostal denominations, 16% were assessed as having a biblical worldview. From mainline Protestant denominations, 8% had a biblical worldview, and from the Catholic communion, just 1% was gauged as having a biblical worldview. Wow! If you want this survey, my friends, you can actually pick it up online. It's entitled The American Worldview Inventory 2020. Just type that in to your search engine and you can pick it up. But do you know the thing that really stands out to me was a comment that researcher Barner made in his summary. This is what he said. In the American Worldview Inventory, we measure not just beliefs, but also the application of those beliefs to our behavior, because people do what they believe. If you truly believe something, you will integrate it into how you live, and how your lifestyle will then reflect those beliefs. As a result... Our research always balances examining both what we believe to be true and how we translate such beliefs into action, Barner explained. Do you know, as I considered what Barner was saying and the results of his survey, I was staggered once again. He has actually taken a similar research each year for a number of years now. 
this particular research is only the most recent in this series. Each year, however, a trend has been established. The trend is a slow downhill trend with Christian people each year not having the, having a, a poorer biblical worldview. But Joseph, what's your thoughts on this survey? Could it possibly be right? I mean, to have 21% of conservative Christians only having a biblical worldview and only 1% of Catholics? I mean, this is almost, this is really out there. Um, what's your thinking? It is. Uh, look, whilst this is done in the United States, Gary, I would I would imagine that uh, we would find very similar situation here in Australia, mm-hmm. if not even, uh, well, if not even uh, lower figures, because um, uh, the, the US has has generally always been that, that bit more Christian yes, than, than, yes, than yes. Australian yep, society. Yep, yep. Uh, we we have really become quite secular in Australia. Yes, uh, yes. and uh, yeah, religion um, is not as prominent here as it is in in the states. Yeah. So if that's the if these are the results in the United States. Can only imagine that would certainly be here, if not even 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 more drastic mm. uh, thing. So yeah, I, I would say that 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 would. So be. even amongst Christian people, there is a uh, there is a ver- uh, the biblical worldview. I mean, what other worldview could they have? I mean, if that's not a biblical worldview, what other worldview could they have? Well, yeah, it, it would be a, a, a secular worldview, and I, I wanted to sort of mention that in a moment. Even even a. Uh, something else which is really fascinating that is possibly even a post secular, but uh, yeah, look, it, it, it's fascinating because uh, just for a moment on Christianity, uh, it has moved away actually, Gary, from uh, from scriptural authority, from mm. from a mm. from a, 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 a traditional historical scriptural authority. For example, just a couple of things, uh, we are seeing uh, very much uh, th- this thinking um, amongst Christians that it really doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere mm. Uh, mm. then there's this uh, sort of this other idea and that is where uh, even more challenging uh, is the concept that the bible gets reinterpreted to meet contemporary social and and cultural understandings mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so we're seeing that amongst christians um in in uh, in, in churches um what is a biblical worldview then can you just define yeah. that for us so first of all the world, sorry, the word worldview yeah. um, is is basically refers to the way that we look at life, our values, uh, actions, decisions. It's it's like uh, it's like the glasses we wear. Okay, uh, so yeah. ha- how we view life. Yep. Uh, a biblical worldview essentially means that we are looking at life uh, through through biblical lens, and uh, we we're, we're responding to life mm-hmm. uh, based on biblical principles, biblical teachings, mm-hmm. and we apply uh, the Bible's teachings uh, and its commands, uh, its values, um, and its morals to our uh, to our daily life. So, having a biblical worldview essentially would be a person who 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 conforms their life to to, to biblical principles and teachings. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's a biblical worldview. Yep. Uh, now, a biblical worldview, Gary, uh, a biblical worldview says, "I believe a supernatural God exists." Mm-hmm. Uh, a biblical worldview says, "I believe that the Bible is God's inspired word." Mm-hmm. Uh, 
mm-hmm. a biblical worldview uh, says, I believe that God answers prayer. Mm. Um, and uh, also, I believe that God does miracles. Mm-hmm. So a biblical worldview uh, believes that resurrection from the dead is possible, that the virgin birth d- did take place, the, the, these, these significant events. Uh, a biblical worldview uh, maintains that there is this concept of predictive prophecy. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, we chatted a little bit about that last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, a biblical worldview maintains the idea that God created the world supernaturally. Oh, now this is—we're starting to get into some areas here that I, I think your contemporary world would certainly dispute in a in a major way. Well, the contemporary world. Which is essentially a secular worldview um, mm-hmm. is one that is governed by uh, by the senses, by, by things that can be seen, touched, uh, evaluated, uh, tested, if we can say. Yep. Um, and so uh, that that is in, in in contrast to the biblical worldview, because the biblical world, you know, for instance, the Bible says that God create, it said, spoke, and it it, it, it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, He created out, out of nothing um, by the power of God's word. Mm. Um, the contemporary and, and you know, sort of secular, it, it's really a scientific thinking. Is well. You can't just. You've, you've got to be able to possible. test. That's exactly right. If you can't test yep. and you can't physically replicate, that's right. Then it doesn't happen. It can't exist. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas within the scriptures, we've got some things. I mean, if you think of some of the teachings of the scriptures, they are really, really out there. I mean, just think of the resurrection of Christ. I mean, the re- we've just had Easter just very recently, yes. and you have uh, the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. Now, of course, a lot of, dare I say it, even Christian religions actually, dis- actually dispute some of these very base level uh, traditional Christian beliefs, and but that is quite out there if you think about it, because the resurrection is saying that a person who has been certified dead by a Roman centurion yes. can actually come back to life by the by the word of an angel. Now that's right. Do angels actually exist? Well, according to the biblical worldview, angels exist. That's right. And Christ came out of the grave as a as a result of the supernatural act of God. Whereas a secular worldview says, well, no, we don't see angels. Uh, the, you know, dead people don't rise. So, so that cannot be possible. So, mm. so they, they 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 would discount that. Um, uh, yeah, so so the biblical worldview really is is the is is the opposite to the secular worldview. Now, Gary, it's fascinating just to consider this secular worldview for a moment. Um, a secular, so let's define that for a moment. We, we've talked about a biblical worldview. A secular worldview is uh, is it's is a secular person is someone who lives day to day with little or no reference to God or formal religion. So God and the Bible are not part of their everyday decisions and actions. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are yeah, atheists or out, outright. Or even bad people. Or even bad people, exactly right. It's simply that God and, and the scriptures are not part of their, their daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there are actually four aspects to secularism. Um, mm-hmm. now, one of them is naturalism. So, in other words, that's the what's rec- that? Well, what is that? Open that one up a little bit more. That's the direct opposite to to, um, to, to supernatural. So, okay. naturalism means that there is there has to be a, a cause and an effect. Okay, so things happen naturally. Correct. Um, just cause and effect. That's Excellent right. way of putting it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, no supernatural. Uh, second um, principle of secularism is autonomy. That means it's up to me to decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I can decide what's right and wrong, whether I'm going to follow this or not follow it, what I'm going to believe or I'm not going to believe, autonomy. A third aspect is relativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, there is no one standard of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, these are actually kind of linked. Um, if there's no supernatural, that means... I'm in charge. I can decide, yep, yep, and, and yep. I decide. Well, th- there's no one standard yep, um, yep. relativism, and then the fourth aspect of secularism is this idea of temporality. In other words, it's the here and now. It's the yeah. It's the here and now. You only live life once. That's it. Yep. That's yep, it. Yep. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing, Gary, is um, secularism has been around for quite a while in Australia, mm. and fairly recently, there's there's a sort of a we could say an extension of it or some, maybe even a bit of a reaction to it, could we say, of post-secularism mm-hmm. or, um, or po- can be called post-modernism amongst sort of the younger generation. Now, this, this one's even a little bit more subtle mm-hmm. because post-modernism, some of its uh, characteristics are, number one, is it uh, people are spiritual, Gary, but not religious. Now, spiritual I use in a very generic term. Okay. And so that's where you see that there's this interest in Eastern mysticism, in meditation, in yoga, uh, you know, in veganism. You, in you get actually as you go through the shopping centres, you get the new age, you get the, the right. crystal shops. Uh, that's right. There. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people are open to a spirituality and mm. I'm – Waving my hands to sort of yeah, indicate yeah, yeah, in, yeah. A, in a in just in a in some sort of cloud correct. cloud type, type correct. yeah 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 um, which is an interesting development. A uh, couple of other thoughts on this postmodernism is that that now they hold on to two of the the principles of secularism that is autonomy mm-hmm. that is I'll still am in charge and I'll still decide for myself what I'm going to do and relativity. In other words, uh, there, there is no one source of truth there's no one standard um, and of course and of course if there is no um, if there is no um, source of truth well of course the that immediately does away with the scriptures oh, oh, as yes. being a, a, an authoritative source it does away with predictive prophecy because right. hey you know there isn't a Almighty God up there anyway. So therefore, uh, hey, I'm really responsible to myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't need to feel accountable to anyone else, yeah. or certainly not accountable to any higher being. Um, it's interesting, Gary. Uh, postmodernism actually has this idea that truth is truth is not found in science alone or in the Bible. Uh, the, the thinking, it's interesting, I've done a little bit of reading on this because it, it's basically sort of saying, uh, this modern generation will sort of say, well, you know, science has kind of let us down. The governments have let us down. Uh, it, church institutions have let us down. Mm, you know? So mm. there's a distrust of that. Yep, yep, um, yep. 
And so they're more into relationships, more into community uh, than, 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 than a source of truth. Is there a problem with that? Well, uh, you, you think about it. I mean, who then defines... You know what's right and wrong. Essentially, every every person will kind of want to determine it, and that yeah, it, that, it, it, it could be that it's, it's both and uh, rather than either or, because this is one of the real challenges that I think we're actually continually facing within the world in which we're living today. Because uh, if in fact we have a Almighty God, then the relationships are actually important, and to to an extent, I think we possibly have have missed the the emphasis, the scriptural emphasis on relationship and yet scripture also talks about this thing called truth supernaturally revealed truth exactly and that's exactly right because this whole idea of postmodernism is that there is that that there are many truths gary yeah yeah yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. or what's true for you it doesn't have to be true for me or or for my neighbor you know there are no moral absolutes Absolutely does this pose a challenge. I mean, can I just share what what immediately comes to my mind from Scripture? The words of Jesus, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Yeah, yeah. That's fairly exclusive, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus didn't say, well, I, I could be one alternative. It's very specific, very exclusive. I am the way. The truth. Uh, that's not the only one, but the Bible clearly portrays uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, and uh, uh, it, it says there in verse 13, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in it, because the narrow gate is difficult and the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Clearly, there's only two ways. Well, what, no, scripture, none, none, what yeah. scripture is presenting here is something that is just so, you know, there is... A way to the kingdom, and then it turns around and says, "This is the way." Now, obviously, there are many people in our world who would say, "The you know the scriptures can't be can't be trusted." But if in fact you're going to um, to, to to trust the scriptures, we have to account for some of these some of these comments because I think they're very powerful and um, they they are incredibly challenging to the world in which we live today. That's right. That's exactly exactly right. And and it, it is a challenge because one of the foundations of scripture is the concept that we are all sinners. Mm. Now that's not really something that people like to really hear these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, but deep down humans will acknowledge that we are not all quite right. That's and that I think you actually make a, a vital point there, um, Joseph, because what Scripture is doing is identifying a problem. Yes. Whereas the world in which we're living today will turn and say, well, there is, you know, there are many different truths out there. Truths is as I particularly define it, but really, uh, you know, I'm a good person is, is how most will actually define it. Whereas scripture says, well, actually, um, you're actually a person who has a problem. Mm. And this is what the problem is. But not only you're a problem, this is a problem, but 
Okay, let me show you how to fix it. That's right. Yep, yep. Point, points us to a solution, and and you know, and, and I guess that leads us to the, the good news of the gospel, and that that shows how how rele- rele- relevant scripture really is. Joseph, look, I'm just really conscious that our time is starting to uh, starting to gallop away from us. Now, look, um, this has huge implications. Um, I mean, uh, what are the implications for um, the Christian religion? If the majority of people within that religion don't have a biblical worldview, if they have a secular worldview instead of a biblical worldview, what are the implications for the Christian world? Yeah, the implications are very significant, Gary, because uh, it, it, it indicates that Christians have been influenced by the secular worldview. And uh, if they've been influenced, then then they can be impacted in a way that that dr- takes them away. They can drift away quite subtly, perhaps almost even unawares, from the fact that there are some. Well, the Bible does give us mandates. It does give us teaching. Does give us guidelines. And if we're influenced by secular worldviews, we're going to actually be taken away from that. And and. Well, we can be deceived, we can be led astray. And even the way that we respond to various um, um, stimuli in our world. I mean, for example, uh, we, we might be dealing with difficulties in our personal lives. And within Scripture, Scripture talks about bringing those things to the Lord God in prayer because we believe that God can actually act yes. in prayer. And yet, if I am functioning within a secular model... What occurs is I tend to say, "How can I fix this myself?" That's right. Does that does that make sense? It does absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, prayer is not seen of any benefit at all, other than maybe just a psychological way of getting things off your chest. Mm. And uh, uh, yeah, some of the the injunction the commands of Scripture, uh, the, the, the predictions of what's going to happen, uh, uh, people would will slowly say, "Well, no, the, I don't really need to believe that," and um, and that. Gary is actually frankly quite dangerous. Okay, let me just ask you, let me be ask you straight. Can you be a Christian without a biblical worldview? Christianity is actually based on historical facts. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, one significant passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul, uh, he, 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 uh, can I just read yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, this, this is powerful, this passage. This first, is, first Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul says uh, from verse 1, I declare to you the gospel. Now, the gospel is the good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he says, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and which you stand. Uh, by which also you are saved, mm. if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, mm. according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And then he goes on, and then he was seen by uh, Peter and the Twelve, and, and so on. And so uh, the, 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 the heart of Christianity is the gospel, is, is, is the, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, which is based on historical fact. And, and, so, and that's the thing that I love about that particular passage, is that you know in our world we're actually so much into um, evidence-based material. What um, Paul actually does there is say, all these facts were seen 
by over 500 people. In other words, if you don't know, if you didn't know about it, please go and check it out yes. because and talk to those 500 people. It's evident what we've got in the New Testament when Christ um, birth, his life, his death, um, it was to the New Testament disciples, this was an evidence-based reality. This wasn't a faith-based reality. And to me, this is incredibly powerful and important. It is. It is. And so to, to your question, can a Christian, can you be a Christian without a biblical view? No, you can't. You can't. Uh, because uh, uh, Christianity is based on, on, a, on a biblical worldview, which, which is based on historic facts. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's really what what the issue is here, Gary. Mm. That, this is why this topic and this question is so significant, yeah. that a, a, a biblical worldview is crucial to be a genuine Christian, a genuine follower of Jesus, and, uh, and a genuine uh, adherent to the teachings of the Bible. Mm, they're powerful words that you're saying there, Joe. So, look, I want to talk some more on it in just a moment. But before we do, let's just go away for a, for a song. I love this particular song, Marlita Fong, uh, The Lord's Prayer. This is a beautiful uh, rendition of this uh, this particular song. But I do want to come back on this question again because I think it's a really important one there, Joe. So I want to pick it up again with you. Uh, please enjoy Marlita Fong, The Lord's Prayer, and Deliver Us.
trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big questions for God with Pastor Gary and Pastor Joseph. This is the program where we look each week at the difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. If you have any questions, you can text them to our desk on 0438 And Today I have with me Pastor Joseph Matichik. Joseph is the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And today we're asking, uh, how relevant is the Bible in the early third millennium? We're asking again, is Christianity possible without a biblical worldview? Joseph, really appreciate the things that you've shared uh, to, uh, to to this point in time. I think they've been incredibly powerful. Uh, can, look, can you possibly suggest to us any reasons for this huge decline in the biblical worldview amongst Christians? Yeah, look, Gary, th- th- there'd be a number of reasons. Um, Number one would be the one that we've talked about a little bit earlier, and that's that's simply the impact of secularism, mm-hmm. uh, the impact of, of postmodernism. Uh, we, none of us live in a bubble. We 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 are, uh, are surrounded by these influences, and so this has had an impact on on Christianity. So our world is rubbing off on us. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly, mm. exactly right. And um, so an outworking of that is there's there's a distrust of authority. Yeah. Now, scripture is the authority for the Christian, or should mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so one of the outworkings of secularism is a distrust of authority, yeah. and so people will then distrust biblical authority. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's one reason we've seen that. Another reason we've seen it, Gary, is the hypocrisy of Christians, sadly. And, and by that I mean people who've claimed to follow the Bible but sadly their lives have not matched up. Mm. And that has been a... A, a, a sadly, a real significant turnoff for 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 many people to to biblical Christianity to a biblical worldview. That's actually um, a really big one, isn't it? Because you know, even uh, even you think of some of the the sex abuse scandals that uh, that have happened. You that's know, right. that's that's huge and has had an incredibly negative impact on uh, on the whole uh, worldview of so many outside of Christianity. That's right, and whilst, whilst we would clearly understand that that's not what the Bible uh, teaches, that's absolutely not what what what, what we are uh, to be engaged in. Uh, people, though, have uh, unfortunately connected institutional uh, abuses, yeah. for instance, by clergy or whatever yeah, else, yeah. as as being a reflection of what what. The Bible is about what Christianity is about, and therefore they have not wanted to engage with the biblical worldview. Mm, mm. Uh, another reason it would be the impact of of science, and we've touched a little bit on on the fact that secularism for secularism, science has been king. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's got to be tested, evaluated, proved, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and so that's ha- that's had a direct impact on the the biblical worldview mm. uh, because we believe by faith that the worlds were created. 
etc. And so that that, that go, seems to have gone directly against uh, a lot of uh, the push by science. Another reason, Gary, that there's been a decline in the biblical worldview is actually it, it, it is can I say it this way? It's actually a sign of the times. It, it is actually a fulfilment of what the Bible itself actually predicted would take place. Mm-hmm. For example, I'm just thought um, mindful of one passage of Scripture where the great apostle Paul uh, was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he says in verse 3, A time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and will turn their ears away from the truth. Mm, mm, mm. They will turn away from the truth. The Bible actually indicates that there is actually going to happen. This is actually what is going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I, th- I think what you're su- suggesting there is, is just so powerful. And I particularly think that that, uh, that issue with, uh, you know, um, um, with science, and science itself, of course, is based on a naturalistic worldview, you know, a world that the things that are now is how they have always uh, behaved. And, you know, that's called naturalism. And uh, you, you look at the, the scriptures, however, and the scriptures are not naturalistic they actually uh, they they assume that there is an all powerful god who has actually got power to um to to change the world by the word of his mouth exactly right Exactly right. And it's unfortunately, Gary, some people think, well, you, in order to have a biblical worldview, you can't be intelligent. Yeah. I, I, that is just simply not the case. Yeah. yeah that is not yeah, the case. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that's such an important aspect uh, to to what we can talk about here. I know uh, just uh, just recently I had the privilege to go along to a, to a very high-level conference and uh, at that particular conference, there were certainly significant doctors of science there speaking. And, you know, they were certainly supporting the biblical worldview and had no problem with it because they, because they saw significant evidence to back up the yes. biblical worldview. And I think that this is something that in the world in which we're living today, a lot of that evidence is hidden under a shroud, so to speak. And so it very much depends with what kind of glasses we are, we, 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 we put on, which yeah. is what a worldview is. Exactly. Are we putting on a biblical worldview glasses or we're choosing to put on a secular yeah, worldview yeah. glasses. Uh, Joseph, look, we are starting to come towards the end of our of our hour. Uh, I'm starting to think we almost need more than an hour here. But uh, tell me, how do we respond positively uh, to this eroding biblical worldview? You know, how how do we... How do we challenge our society um, when the majority of the Christian world doesn't have a biblical worldview? Yeah, really, really important to consider uh, because we have spent a bit of time, uh, can I say, be, be critically evaluating yeah, uh, yeah. other worldviews. So it, it's really fair that we actually consider this. Um, yeah, how can we respond? Uh, n- let me say a number of things, Gary. One Recognize that all other worldviews are actually ultimately limited. Uh, they are focused very much on the here and the now. Mm. Um, a biblical worldview actually offers a, a better life, a future, future, and a hope. So I just wanted to say that as initially. A uh, n- number of other ways we can respond is this. We need to need to know this. I remember once someone saying this: the deepest needs of people are still the same. Yeah, that yeah. is their needs for love, belonging, and a purpose. Yeah, 
And and Gary, it is the, the gospel, the gospel itself that is the one that actually ultimately can answer these needs. Mm. And the gospel is clearly um, based in in a biblical biblical worldview. Because what you get within the gospel is actually uh, the evidence of changed lives. Um, you know, it's when I start to see that uh, the there is evidence from history there is evidence from archaeology there is evidence from uh, it, it, no, f- there is evidence for um, for what that, that shows what is actually occurring throughout our our world that, that's exactly right Gary in fact that, that's that I, I just had that also as my next very next thought to actually say that changed lives are the best evidence for the relevance and the power of the Bible mm. in our 21st century. Um, I've had the privilege as a pastor, and I'm sure you you would have too, of meeting and knowing people who have tried other worldviews yeah. and um, found that it was the biblical worldview only that brought them true meaning and purpose. Mm. Or I can think of other people who have struggled, let's say, with addictions, uh, people who've done all sorts of things in their past, but it's been the message of the Bible that's brought them forgiveness and a new life. Yeah, yeah. There, There is a power within the Scriptures that seems to change people's lives and actually has the power to change communities as well. That's right. That's right, and and we we've seen that uh, very very quickly. There's been um, some uh, nations in the South Pacific. Uh, people were cannibals there prior to a biblical worldview coming in, mm, mm. and th- their lives have been changed because of the power of the biblical message. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think in my own ministry, I think of uh, people who have been addicted to various uh, various drugs, and you turn around and uh, they they accept Jesus Christ, yes. and there is a change in t- how they actually live their life. And people who were, re- were previously bound suddenly become free to be able to to live life to the full. Exactly, exactly. Um, Gary, I'd suggest another way that we can respond positively, and that is to look for opportunities when, when we're mixing with people who who perhaps don't have a biblical worldview or have uh, yeah don't appreciate it as much. Look for opportunities where we can show the relevance of the Bible. You mm. know, one of the things I maintain is um, the Bible doesn't need to be made relevant. It is. Yes, yes, uh, yes. But we need people to see how it is relevant. For example, uh, the Bible explains to us the signs of the times in which we're living in. For mm-hmm. example, it's the Bible and it's the biblical worldview that provides an explanation for suffering in this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we can look for opportunities in conversations, uh, in, in dialogue, in other ways to, to show that to people. And I think that that one is so key because, you know, as I think of the, the scriptures actually talk about a thing of the Sabbath, you know, it talks about it. You actually, as a human, need a day of rest. You know, as I look at the world in which I'm living today, I see this day, this um, this world that is non-stop. It's almost uh, it's a treadmill type uh, t- type existence. Whereas the scriptures turn around and they say, uh, "My friend, you need a rest. You need to have a day off." Every week to worship, to build relationships. You know, to me, as I look at that, I say, hey, how much more 
How, how much a more beautiful world is actually being created by looking at the biblical worldview and the biblical advice? Its relevance and its benefit yes. for, for us as people, absolutely. Um, and one other thing, Gary, uh, another way to uh, to respond to this eroding biblical view is is this, and, and essentially, I'd probably put this even out as as, as a as an invitation, as an appeal, as a challenge to people listening, and that is this: let's live out the biblical worldview. Yeah, yeah. Live a life that shows to others the beauty and power of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, the no, Bible doesn't need so much defending as it does living it. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone once said, if Christians would listen and sympathize with secular people, instead of jumping quickly into defensive mode, they might in time gain a hearing for a different view of the Bible. Mm, mm, a text comes powerful. to mind. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, we do need to finish, but uh, look, please. If I could just leave with this this text, First uh, Peter chapter 2. Uh, live such lives... Sorry, First Peter chapter two verse twelve. Live such good lives among the people around you that they that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Mm, no, that's that's wise, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's powerful, Joseph. It does look like our our time is actually up. Um, I really want to say thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for joining us on Drive Time today. Tomorrow, we're going to continue to dig into this subject when we go super practical and ask, what if I get nothing out of Bible reading? How can I read so it speaks to me? I'm going to have with me Mrs. Helen Gray, who will take us beyond the surveys, the theology and the evidence for the Bible Tomorrow we get super practical. We say, hey, how can I read this book so it really speaks to me powerfully? I really look forward to seeing you then. But remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May God richly bless you as you continue living for him please please enjoy our our last song uh, together it's Alison Krauss and the Cox family where no one stands alone Two 